Hello, welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today I'm speaking to Cornelia Lucy. Cornelia is an author and an award-winning leadership consultant and psychologist delivering transformational positive psychology for large-scale multinationals, small businesses and startups. Cornelia, good afternoon, how are you? Afternoon, Matt. Yes, I'm very well. How are you doing today? Good. Very positive. Positive day today. <laughs> Good to That'd chat. <laughs> so the um, the goal uh, today is to have an open and honest conversation, not only about your mental health journey, but also into positive psychology to understand a bit more about it and how it's yeah. how, you know how how you how you you teach it and how you, how it works mm. for you, and to get yeah. some insight into the tools and techniques that have helped you along your way and are available and accessible to other people. And by discussing your journey both personal and professional we hope to share and normalize the conversations we're about to have about your own mental health as people are not alone in these experiences that mm-hmm. sounds good to you that sounds brilliant i'm really glad that you're doing this um, and podcast matt so yeah that sounds well, really we, good we are very very happy very well, very pleased to have you both in terms of not only your mental health journey but also the grandness of positive psychology and to understand mm. a bit about that because frankly I don't know very much about it um I thought it was basically focusing on the positive elements of psychology which turns out it's not <laughs> yeah wow that's great that you know that that makes me so happy that you know that because I cannot tell you the number of people that I I work with family members friends who think it's all about just being positive and it's actually nothing to do with that so <laughs> I have to spend a lot of time trying to break it down and do you want me to explain a little bit about it yeah in please kind do. Of a nutshell yeah so in a nutshell it and actually the, the person who named it positive psychology it's his biggest regret his biggest regret is naming it positive psychology so a guy called martin segerman is a kind of founder of um the kind of wave of positive psychology and it was established in the us um just at the turn of the millennium so just around 2000s 1999 actually he was the president of um the american psychological association uh, he is a massive clinical psychologist and so his specialism in psychology was clinical psychology. Okay. And depending on how much you know about clinical psychology, it has dominantly been about um, the deficit side of human beings. Yes. So understanding the deficit of, um, I guess, mental, mental illness, mm. really. Almost, and, almost yeah. like that kind of deficit being kind of the lack, the lack of. and Exactly. Yeah, the lack yeah, yeah. of what's missing, where's the absence. And so, you know, he was doing you know looking back on his career making this keynote and just thinking we basically really missed a massive trick here we've spent hundreds of years when uh, looking at what's wrong with people when thousands of years ago we had people like aristotle you know some great philosophers actually exploring what is what's right with people yeah. what are the things that bring the best out of people mm. so basically positive psychology and um, it's all about so kind of di- dictionary definition is what is what is it that creates optimal functioning in human beings mm. and it's the scientific study of that okay. so what are the what are the things the uh, emotions the situations the experiences that can actually bring the best out of us mm. um and so it and actually, sometimes it's negative emotions that can lead to the best positive experience we can have. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's been different ways of positive psychology in the fact that, you know, there's been a second way, third way, won't bore you with that bit. But we, thinking about our whole experience and a whole range of positive emotions and negative emotions, if you want to call them negative emotions, mm-hmm. in inverted commas, 
is really important to positive psychologists. So actually learning from the, the difficult experiences that we have as individuals, as teams, as organisations, as societies, communities, it, you know, all of those learnings are really important. Um, and learning, you know, what can bring the best out of someone in order to help them bring the best out of themselves or their team is, is so um, important. Um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, no, which I knew that we would do. Yeah, no, it's perfect. But it's interesting because how I've always not interpreted positive psychology, but what really yeah. kind of, um, you know, what really kind of sings to me from my kind of own kind of professional personal experience is that kind of idea of like empowerment. It seems to be kind of almost like empowerment psychology. It is yeah. looking at you know empowerment is a process going for people from yeah. a psychologically disempowered to an empowered state exactly. it seems yeah. like that positive psychology is looking at those the 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 mechanisms the feelings the thoughts that enable confident a person to be confident and capable and totally. there the interesting thing is is that when someone isn't confident and capable because there are many successful people who definition of success whatever it is in terms of like money wealth family whatever it is mm-hmm who you actually, in some respects, would say are disempowered, mm. but are still, you know, but, you know, in some respects, in some metric, are still successful. Mm. Um, I certainly, you know, you see within the kind of entrepreneurial community, I mean, mm, yeah. I mean for, frankly, that community is full of mental health um, oh, yes. um, issue issues. And, yes. and, 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 and it's fascinating that, because I think the I think for me, and I try and wear it in my head, that kind of the optimal human function, society now, does that mean that what we're trying to achieve optimally can we not achieve when we're disempowered? Because it seems to me that there's a lot of disempowered people who do, on the surface, perform very very well and very very successful. But I suppose from within, then not not necessarily having very fulfilling wholesome lives okay so you've you've hit something on the head there um, and I think Matt that's about really understanding what optimal function is and so the science of well-being and well-being has two dimensions there's hedonic aspects to well-being there's eudaimonic aspects to well-being and actually to be fully optimally functioning and to have a really holistic sense of well-being you we ideally need to be striving to have that mix and that array. So you might see people who are experiencing some of the hedonic elements of success. Right, I see. But aren't actually truly contented, connected. Now, it's interesting you used the word confident earlier on about people being confident. And confidence is a really interesting one Mm. because actually what we see is not necessarily what is going on. I prefer the words um, self-determined. And so, you know, looking at things like self-determination theory, you know, someone who's feeling like they've got autonomy, that they feel that they've got connectedness in their life and they've got purpose. Yeah. Those are things that can really make us feel, okay, this is is good. What I've got going here, this is good. Um, Is that a form of internal confidence? Exactly. Was that a bad way to put it? Because I I, I love that kind of idea, that kind of self-determination, but it seems to be connecting the the external and internal web together, whatever that is in terms of confidence. Like, yeah, I agree. That that sounds interesting. I like to think about it like alignment, like there's an alignment going, or there's like an integration going on a little bit. Um, 
And I know that you're going to kind of ask me a little bit about my backstory. So I don't know if you want me to kind of. Yeah, I, I was I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I, was literally, I was saying I was saying for someone to be so knowledgeable on this specific area. And yeah. I, I, I've got I've had friends who who study psychology and often those that study psychology mm. don't just happen kind of happenstance. You know, they, 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 yeah. they don't just stumble across it. They've yeah. had some experiences. Mm. They're interested in themselves and interested to understand a little bit more. So I'd love to hear some you know a bit more about your journey. Yeah, sure. So I'll I'll tell you a bit, Matt, and I'll kind of go back to the beginning a little bit, but do tell me if I kind of go off on any um, tangents and feel free to bring me back on the track. Um, Do not worry. (laughs) So and it's interesting you say that about psychology and people that you know that have gone gone into that that regard and into psychology. And I certainly felt that way when I was at university meeting kind of friends who'd studied psychology and, and things like that. Now, I didn't study psychology at university. It was actually, you know, not until later on in my career that I went into um, psychology uh, work. And I'll kind of explain a little bit about that. Um, I actually was really interested in people and their stories. Um, and that's, I guess, where I started out. Um, but if you kind of rewind back to birth, um yeah all the way back day one one, I guess you see me in um a an enormous huge Irish family full of loads and loads of you know incredible um relatives cousins etc etc now my actual kind of nuclear family um my uh, my dad wasn't very well when I was growing up and he struggled with his own kind of issues. Now, at the time, it wasn't, you know, a time period where people explored mental health or looked at mental health or engaged in mental health like we would now or like we try and do. Although I do think there's still massive the stigma out there. And I know that we'll talk about that. Um, but, you know, I kind of grew up with a very dysfunctional father um, and an incredible mum who was desperate to kind of bring her children up uh, in an environment which she knew wasn't perfect um, but for, for reasons of religion and culture didn't feel that she could m- remove herself from a dysfunctional situation um, and I guess we could kind of go into that a little bit further but the reason I, I tell you about that is I actually didn't really become conscious of and I say the word conscious um, deliberately because I think we had different levels of consciousness and awareness um, of you know different things in our life as we as we grow older. But I genuinely didn't really um, think about my mental health or anything to do with my mental health until I would say I was in my kind of mid twenties when I started to become or, or kind of early twenties where I started to have different situations uh, arise. Um, so I was your kind of typical uh, high achieving, uh, super perfectionist, mm. um, speak multiple languages, you know, first class honours, like, you know, loads and loads of bags of <laughs> qualifications and yeah. accolades. And well, just, I have seen the number of letters after <laughs> your name is longer than your first and last names put this together. This is true, this is true, which is really, you know, bizarre. So, um, But that obviously is because of something, right? Yeah, exactly. Like what drives us, what motivates us, what kind of pushes us to do things. And I'll talk a bit about that. But um, yeah, so it's not until I guess I fast forward from growing up in this kind of weird environment where I'm desperate to get to school. I cannot wait to get to school. I cannot wait to learn. Um, And learning is my drug. I love learning. And it continues to be to this day. I absolutely love it. And um, 
I'm kind of in my 20s. I'm doing very well professionally. I've done a kind of a range of different things, you know, uh, paid kind of journalist program, trained as a journalist, did amazing things, like interview people like Amy Winehouse, traveling on planes to China with like prime ministers and things like that and doing all these interesting things. Um, and genuinely not giving a second thought to mental health, not really thinking that that's something that I need to think about. Mm. I don't have any kind of challenges. I'm absolutely, you know, rock hard. Mm. You know, I grew up in East End of London. You try and steal my bag. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so kind of going through this, quite oblivious really to mental health. And then a, uh, moving into different careers, um, I, through my journalism career, became really interested in the education system. And I've always had this real strong driver for social justice, for societies, communities to have equal rights. And I have this like ridiculous sense of fairness, which is one of my values and, and something that really uh, is important to me. And so I kind of go from this glittering journalism career into um deciding to actually go into teach in a really challenging school. So I actually go into something called the Teach First Leadership yeah. Development Programme, which is a combination of working in kind of tough schools in inverted commas, and you're doing lots of leadership development and training. So that's when I'm starting to become much more reflective, mm -hmm. um, much more self-aware, much more, I guess, even again, kind of curious about why do we behave the way we do? Why do we think the way we do? Why is this child in front of me doing this? And, yeah. um, you know, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to help them. And they're doing this. What's going on here? And is that because of the, did the training prompt those questions? That training. And I think because of my younger childhood experiences, and I'll kind of, I suppose, gel that together for you in a moment, yeah. I had this ridiculous level of empathy and social awareness so I am trained for various reasons to notice what's going on in a room okay so I'm hyper aware I'm hyper vigilant I'm really really conscious and that in a way is, is you know it's my superpower now it's why I really enjoy the work that I do now I love observing people noticing what's going on sharing what I'm noticing you know all of those kind of things so I'm in schools and then I'm working with the adults in the schools who are you know head teachers senior leaders and you've got some incredible ones doing amazing things, bringing really incredible things out of people around them. And then you've got people who are behaving appallingly and doing terrible things, treating people really badly, disempowering. And I'm really glad you picked up on that word um, earlier on and talked about empowerment. Um, and I'm like, well, what is it? What is it, it the behaviours and what are the things that people do that actually really empower people? So at that point, I'm then going on to kind of explore more because I'm thinking that that's all about leadership. So I'm thinking if we understand more about leadership, we kind of get the key to this to the answer answer to the questions that I've got. Um, and so I go on to I develop as a, a management consultant. I, you know, get onto a, a training program. I get developed. Then I'm working kind of in the Middle East, I'm working in England, I'm working with loads of different organisations, I'm seeing loads of different leaders and becoming increasingly curious about the good ones and the bad ones yeah. and all these kind of things. Now, it's in certain professional experiences. So when I'm working as a teacher and things are really tough, I'm experiencing kind of very like difficult emotions at times. But it's not until there's kind of a situation when I'm consulting and working in um, a particular organisation, where I experience a really challenging professional dynamic, where I basically have 
uh, a boss, not my boss, like different bosses, one of whom is, uh, I guess, in a way, doing all the things that are disempowering me mm. and making me feel really disenchanted, disconnected. Um, and at the same time, having this really weird experience where working with other people who are really empowering me. And that's, I guess, where I become more interested in um, seeking out with the leaders who are really strong and I'm working with, what is it that you're doing that's doing all these great things to me um, versus what other people are doing? And it's at that point where I become interested in coaching psychology mm -hmm. and I start kind of exploring coaching psychology more, training in coaching psychology. But I also have a particularly really difficult experience at work where I decide, actually, this is too much for me to work out on my own. I need to go and get some therapy. So it's kind of like in my mid-20s, I go and get some therapy to try and just help me unravel some of the difficult experiences mm. that I'm having. And just on that point, because yeah. that's the first time you've maybe mentioned that. Exactly. You've kind of acknowledged something yes. about yourself and mental yeah. health. Did you... Yeah. You've, you, you're on, you, you know, you're, you're on this very what people consider upward trajectory of success, and you know, you've you've got qualifications, you've got experience, you've got, you know, you're working with high-powered people, mm. and then you're coming to a stage where you're thinking actually something isn't quite right, yeah. and or that I'm facing a, a block that I need to overcome, yeah. and and what made you kind of yeah you know what made you take that kind of because from from that perspective it seems quite dramatic or was it actually quite logical from your perspective in a learning environment where you're you know you're saying something's not right I'll I'll educate myself about this area okay a lot of people have go see a therapist I'll go and see a therapist yeah. is that the kind of maths that kind of worked out really good questions I love your questions Matt <laughs> um so I and it's really interesting because I do a lot now in trying to understand behaviour change and what what is it that triggers behaviour change? Like, what is it that triggers someone to, to go and do that, to go and see the therapist? And I think there were, you know, I mean, I could go into the, all the behaviour change science around this, but boiling it down to two things. I think people need to be in a, either a really, really good place and then wanting to keep that place they want to keep that going and they think there's something that they need to work on or they're in a really bad place where something difficult has really happened and at the same time that I'm going through this really difficult experience with work which completely throws me so I think I am caught off balance I'm at the same time starting a new relationship which is with my now husband and I am I'm finding it, I think at that point in time, the best way to describe it is I'm just feeling completely overwhelmed with everything that's going on and completely distraught. And I'm experiencing these feelings that I just feel are taking me over so much to a point where my current experience, the way I'm feeling isn't necessarily reflective of what's going on in the present. And I think it's, you know, his support, talking with him, thinking about things, me knowing friends who've kind of gone to therapists, that kind of thing. I think at that point, I'm thinking, now, interestingly, I go on to have an even worse kind of crisis point. So this, at this point, I'm just thinking, I need to explore this. I feel like I want to go and look into, look into this a bit more. And I think that's something you should do. And I'm curious about, you know, 
through different conversations with different people, like what could be triggering this? So it's difficult to maybe kind of give a black and white answer to the, to the, to the question, but I guess there are a few different factors going on that are kind of propelling me in that direction. So I go and work with a therapist for a um, small period of time, like a few months, um, which is really helpful. And she helps me to kind of figure out and structure out the, the work situation, what's going on there, why I might be feeling that. But she also helps me to start to connect with the fact that some of what, what I'm feeling at the moment is actually triggering some things that I've dealt with in the past as a child. And that's, I guess, where I haven't necessarily before that point made any connections between my past and now. I've kind of put... I put a box around that, thinking that that box will keep it there. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, yeah. it just it just how you how you how you um, articulated that was very. I suppose it really at the very beginning of your conversation. You always talk about school being your the place where you wanted to be, mm. and how I interpreted that was not that you just you learn you wanted to learn, but it was your safe space. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, totally. and how you, how you, I can see that how learning is that line, and then whatever was going on outside of that line, you know, it doesn't mix. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going through those conversations with that lovely therapist, and I'm starting to kind of put the, the dots together. But I'm still not, I would say, very conscious. I'm becoming conscious of it, but I don't have the full story yet. I think in my mind, there's still a lot of uh, fragments. But then things going well again in work I've got a lovely boss again everything's going fantastically some again fantastic leaders around me so um then an organization that I'm working at goes through a restructure and it's a really difficult restructure it's a really badly managed change project and this is really affecting people around me that I'm working with some incredible people that I'm working with going through really difficult experiences and I start to feel some of these difficult kind of emotions and feelings of, I guess, overwhelm come back up again. And I'm recognizing them now from where I've experienced it a little bit before. Uh, so so you started to notice a pattern. Exactly. I'm starting. That's exactly it, Matt. I'm starting to notice the pattern. And then I uh, kind of feel work through that I guess I work through that we move through the restructure I find it really difficult we move through the restructure um, and I end up kind of getting another role in the organization and I'm managing a, a large team and um, in between I guess those points what happened was I started to then experience insomnia um, I've always loved my sleep I could literally sleep for four ages and I'm starting to notice actually I'm having problems with my sleep and the problems with my sleep are becoming more and more kind of chronic to the point where I'm not sleeping for kind of longer than a few, few, a few hours at a time. And if I'm getting three hours, I'm like delighted that I've got three hours. And so I think what, what's going on there, um, I reach out again to, I luckily um, live in an area which has NHS access to the Maudsley Hospital. So I don't know if you've ever come across the Maudsley and I, through my GP, get referred to another therapist. And this therapist that I get referred to, a guy called Ed Fellows, um, he has a uh, specialism in working with trauma and what was really interesting is right from the get-go Ed was able to have a conversation with me to 
helped me make a lot of linkages to my insomnia, my sense of overwhelm mm. and what was going on for me in the present and how that actually linked while it also was being triggered by the present, it was linking to actually a lot of the things I'd experienced in my past. Um, and that's when I first came across the term um, PTSD and CPTSD. So for listeners, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm kind of, a, you know, a bit of an odd fish in that on the, on the surface or the outside and very high functioning CPTSD um, person I guess so it's kind of it, it has been hard you know so lots of people many people who experience CPTSD um, can end up uh, with different addictions um, can go down lots of very difficult uh, paths I find it hard to create any of their own stability routine um, so I'm learning about this from uh, from Ed and understanding actually why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling a bit more and uh, actually this is at this point that I start to understand myself better than I have done for years previously to that um, and that's when I come across mindfulness um, for the first time now I know mindfulness has become um, you know has all sorts of attachments with it now or connotations for different people um, but actually I you know I do know through doing again because I'm such a big learner exploring a lot around mindfulness I know that for some people it can be incredibly helpful not for everybody mm. um but I found it fantastic through that time period of insomnia to help me emotionally regulate and to help me just separate out the thoughts in my mind and what was going on um so at this point I'm able to then to start to sleep better um I get more of a sense of coherence etc etc um now, as you know, you you'll know as well, Matt. While I've got got this kind of personal train running along, and then my professional train running along, I'm deciding that actually, as much as I love doing all the work that I'm doing around leadership and leadership development, and working with different organisations around that, um, and implementing that kind of work, I feel that there's a deeper layer to understanding human beings, and that's when I kind of take my coaching training knowledge to date. And I start to then study psychology. And that's when I move into studying coaching psychology and studying positive psychology. Mm. And it's actually, you know, moving into that um, learning environment again and understanding much more, you know, with coaching psychology, it's very much looking at what do we know helps people to learn and develop at an adult level and a child level. And how do we implement that using evidence-based models in a coaching dialogue? And then positive psychology, as we explained earlier on, it's very much looking at, you know, what do we know about optimum functioning in human beings? What's the science behind that? And how do we then, you know, integrate that or implement that with individuals or teams or systems? So I'm then moving into doing all this learning again. And one of the, I guess, you know, two key things that I learn in, in doing this is that actually, you know, we have a mental health um, dual continua. So there's a really famous, important study in psychology. You might have come across this by a guy called Corrie Keyes and done some amazing work and it's been replicated and, and you know, lots has kind of gone on since this particular piece of work that, you know, happened in 2003. But he actually was able to identify and articulate that human beings don't exist on one continua where you're either mentally ill or mentally healthy, but we exist on two continua a dual continua where we're both we can be both mentally healthy and mentally ill so we can have components of mental ill health 
and we can experience components of mental health. They're not, they're not two distinct things, even though society and culture would have us believe that. Mm. Um, so this is something I'm, I'm really fascinated and interested by. And again, it's something that I'm, I'm resonating with because I've been through very difficult experiences. However, I'm also very enthusiastic, yeah. very driven, very motivated. Um, and it's it's kind of reassuring for me to know that when I am having moments of overwhelm, yeah. depressive symptoms, anxious moments, those kind of things that are going on, that, you know, that is actually part of our human experience. Yeah. And, you know, there are ways that I can resource myself to kind of move through those experiences that but, are going to help me. And also at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's very comforting to know that that dual kind of level of existence mm. of, 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 you know, we operate on those those dual levels of yeah. continuum like you said you, when you're feeling very you know when you're feeling low when you're feeling depressed anxious actually yeah. there might be some other parts of your mental health which are actually very very functioning very very well yeah. I think often people you know can very easily define themselves by their mental ill health I am depressed I am anxious mm. and yes. you talk if you say that enough to yourself yeah it, you know reinforcing that that you know, can lead to some mm. very challenging situations. But it's comforting to know that, you know, for, for every I am anxious or I'm depressed, there could be, but I'm also... Yeah, yeah. I'm also, yeah. I don't know, um, calm. I'm yeah. also excited. I'm also... So I, I wonder, just, just saying it out loud, for every time we say something negative, mm. let's just think, actually, let's just say something which lies on the other continua, because... You know, you know, I, I, I wonder, and maybe this is a question, are you, like you said, if it's on a, on a dual continua, are there situations when you could be all negative? Yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. And I think, I suppose a couple of things I, I was reflecting when you were um, reflecting back to me as well there, Matt, is that with the... you know when you say i am you know depressed or i am anxious or i i have got anxiety i think we are defining ourselves entirely with that experience and there's a you know really interesting area of therapy that's also used in coaching called acceptance and commitment therapy yeah. so you may have come across it now i'm a massive advocate for this i think it it leapfrogs forward from CBT and some of the traditional kind of uh, methods that we've come accustomed to in supporting um you know mental illness and and challenges that we're having with our thoughts and feelings now acceptance and commitment therapy helps us recognize ourselves as context so I'm like a bucket <laughs> and inside my bucket there's loads of different things going on and I I'm never gonna get rid of some of those things going on as much as I might want to super plant or supersede or squash it or get rid of this kind of niggly dark horrible despairing feeling that I carry within me because actually the more I try and do that and the more I try and put it in a box push it away try and get rid of it it will come back and it will bite me on the bum and actually <laughs> what I you know what we kind of look at a lot in acceptance and commitment therapy is actually just recognizing that 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 negative emotion or that kind of horrible feeling that I'm experiencing it's, it's part of me but it's not it's not me entirely so 
in acceptance and, and commitment therapy, it's a lot about I'm noticing I'm having the thought that, you know, I'm feeling shit at the moment. I'm noticing I'm having the thought that, you know, whatever, rather than I am that thought. I am that, yeah. I so that. it brings almost a temporal element into it exactly. that suggests that these exactly. things they're are past. temporary. Yeah. 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 Exactly. They're coming and they're going. And, yeah, and there's I a think, flow, isn't there? Exactly. There's a flow. And it's about how you know how can I work with my flow in yeah. a given moment where I am at that time with that flow mm -hmm. and how can I support myself to do the things that put me in flow for this that put me in flow for that but also recognize that I can't always fight or get rid of something which is affecting my flow but I can work with it a little bit in a different way or try something in a different way um, so I'm learning about the the um, dual continuer Keith is dual continuer and I'm also learning Kind of something that's uh, one of the key areas of, of study at the moment in positive psychology is called post-traumatic growth so actually it's about learning from and um, that we can grow through traumatic experiences now people which, kind of which is which is a hopeful thing to think about right hugely hugely and i think um and it's interesting the word hopeful um so sorry i'm going off on a tangent on your word hopeful but the with the post-traumatic growth you know understanding that actually when we look at people and who've been through certain experiences and yet they're still resilient and they're still kind of moving through that experience and going on to do this or going on to do that you know that's often because they've grown as a result of that experience now it's not that we'd ever want to wish that experience on someone but there's something happening there in terms of how they've come through that experience. So whether it was the support mechanisms they had around them, you know, the other adult figures, the teacher in the room, the supportive colleague, the, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, whoever it was that was around that person that helped them go through that experience and come out the other side stronger so that they knew that they were well resourced to carry on going through the next difficult time they experience. Um, and so I think, you know, learning all about that in, in my field and then, you know, feeling, you know, I feel really resourced now. I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge, a lot of understanding. I understand myself more. I'm mindful. I put in all these practices in place. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I then decide I'm going to uh, go out on my own and, and work and join forces with another um, another psychologist. And we go into a business together and fast forward a few more years we're doing incredibly well growing the business kind of threefold and then all of a sudden um the rug gets pulled out from under me where um i get told in a what i think is a informal coffee meeting that i'm being removed from my own business <laughs> so i go through this really um horrific experience it must be horrendous it, well, i mean yeah i mean there's loads of stories like this and I go through this experience at the same time as I'm finishing a massive research project. I'm organizing a wedding in France and my then fiance, uh, now husband, gets made redundant from his job at work and goes into a period of long-term unemployment. So all of the things I think I've put in place and all of the things I think I've got, you know, at my disposal, at my resource that are helping me along and all of the things I talk to my clients about and that I support teams with and I support organisations with, I'm suddenly like, OK, so this is one of those really crap situations where 
do I actually know how to deal with this stuff? Am I actually going to get through? Mm. And it's it's horrendous and it's painful and it's awful. And I, you know, won't go into kind of the detail of that. But you know, I'm going through that horrendous experience, and I I can tell you, Matt, like with my hand and my heart, every single resource I'd learned up until that point gets kind of pulled out of my bag. You know, mindfulness, yeah. seeking support, the toolkit is opened to in force. It is opened in force. <laughs> And I am so grateful, not only I've got that toolkit, but I've got everything I've learned through positive psychology and positive psychology interventions. And what do I need to put into practice? Okay, this is all going completely tits up, for want of a better word. But what are the good things going on here? I really enjoy what I'm doing. I love my work. I'm just going to have to start again. I'm going to have to start again from scratch. I've got NDAs against all the clients I've ever worked with. I just need to start again. And you're kind of running like hell for leather on just this adrenaline, this push and this drive. Um, and, you know, things get back up and everything like that. Go through the wedding, finish the big research project, work's going really well again. And at that point, though, I am exhausted because all of those things create a, a, such a drain on your emotional energy. But I have learned, I think, to structure my day, my routine, my life in a way that that helps me slowly recover from I mean that's not your everyday experience Mm. but it's helping me kind of learn to recover from that bigger experience um and yeah I mean this is I guess I'm putting my my money where my mouth is or you know also walking the talk in the fact that all of the kind of tools and techniques that I use with people are things that I've used on myself all of the time um so that's I guess that's a big winded uh, version of um my mental health story um so a, a question i just had just yeah, what, what you mentioned especially when you open that toolkit again the yeah. mindfulness came out yeah. did you i remember you saying so when you went to see the your second um, um therapist yes he, he helped you link mm, from yeah. past yes. now and yes. through do yeah. you do you think that you needed that link I forget so and you yes. said mindfulness really helped yes if you didn't have those links do you think mm-hmm. mindfulness or your toolkit would have helped as much because there are some things there's something we can mm-hmm. talk about on this podcast where yeah. it's too painful for people to go in the past mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's that you yeah. know that's completely understandable yes. there's some horrendous yeah. things that go yeah. on yeah. but my from having these conversations it mm. makes me think that actually sometimes you don't need those linkages to be able to have a fulfilling life you don't always need to go back into the dark and the pain to do that for you it seemed like it was very helpful did, mm. did you get a sense that actually that's that wasn't necessarily necessary um kind of to be able to continue to cope really good question and these you know these are questions that I ask myself all the time and when I'm working with a particular client or a team you've always got that judgment call of do I go there yeah yeah do I go there yeah. right now and um it's really interesting lots of people refer it to it as opening up Pandora's box yeah do I want to open up Pandora's box and you know ultimately I guess I'm I'm sharing with you my reflection on that Mm. Matt and I can kind of talk you through that and why I think that's so important and we can talk about the research and the evidence etc I think everyone's experience is different and their choice is different now I think there are so many things that I have learned along the way um you know, listening to nice music, reading books that I enjoy, going, you know, things that give me energy in different ways. I could have structured and put them in place 
on my own, maybe without doing that journey. It's so hard to know because, yeah, you yes, know, I don't know if I- There's I've, been one journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, I do have, I have siblings who decided not to go on that journey. Right. And, you know, we discuss that. It's very much a kind of, it's a conversation that comes up, you know, should I do that? Should I not do that? And then when those crunchy moments come along in life, which they do for everybody, and, you know, and I must say, Matt, you know, every single leader I work with has crunchy moments. Yeah. And they have moments where they are really challenged and really overwhelmed. And yeah. any leader that ever tells you otherwise yeah. it, is not on the planet. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, what, it's called life, right? Exactly. Like yeah. there are throughout one's life, yeah. you, there will be horrendous situations. There, yeah. there, there will exactly. be some yeah. more horrendous than others. And, you know, exactly. and, you know, and we hope that people don't go through, you know, you know, we don't think we hope that as a general population, people mm. don't go through some of these horrendous situations. Yeah. However, you are going to face, you know, you know, you know, negative challenges. Mm. And but yeah. that, you know, it's things you can't avoid. There's yeah. it's just it's just life. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I find when I'm working with people, supporting people who don't want to open the Pandora's box, which is mm. fine. Or, my, you know, take a sibling or, you know, doesn't want to open a, a Pandora's box. That you know, those people still move through that time, but but I I wonder and I'm curious about how much you're able to move through the future time and the next time and the time after that. Right, that makes sense. And I think that there needs to be some deeper work. Now you can do that deeper work in different ways. You know, it can be a lot about your own self-awareness, self-reflection, and, and things like that. But you know, from I think it's so valuable to do that with an expert someone who knows what they're doing and and get that support um but do you or don't you it's you know it's a million dollar question um but in my experience of those who do it it has a longer term sustainable benefit than those who don't do that work now i must also add into the mix there are many that don't realize or recognize they might need to do that work yeah. So there are different, yeah. you know, going back to the point earlier on about different layers of consciousness, you know, yeah. we're all self-aware to different extents for different reasons, etc. Um, and that's okay. Like that's in some ways can be could be helpful to that in, individual. And you know, we're all kind of on different journeys in our in our lives. And it, it's really interesting. You said I, I hadn't quite thought about it. You said you you, you were from a, a very large Irish family, and mm-hmm. you've gone through one journey. And I yeah, I didn't even I didn't even click. But actually, your siblings and mm-hmm. you know and and you know you know the parents, grandparents, you know children, whatever. Everyone goes through their own journeys, but from that kind of same nucleus and. You know, I, I suppose from a psych- psychologist point of view, obviously, it's, it's, you know, families, you know, in some respects, families are a study, a scientific study. But from your perspective, <laughs> it, it might be it, it's probably interesting to see what some people did in a similar situation to you mm. and what others did and yeah. how that's worked out. Not to say Definitely. anyone's worked out better or not, but mm. it just works out differently. Do, do you feel and, you know, please feel free not to not to answer this. But do you feel that the journey that you made in comparison to, let's say, you know choices that you know other people made it it seems like you're very f- happy that you went you opened pandora's box frankly totally yeah i mean i am a big advocate if you want me to come with the fence which i think what you're asking me to do matt <laughs> i'm no. a big um, uh, <laughs> i'm a big advocate for opening the pandora's box right okay yeah. but i also would say you know I've been privileged to be able to do that yeah, as well. Yeah, good point. So I've been really privileged in many different ways to be able to do that. Mm. So, 
equally I totally understand and respect when people don't um but I you know I think the evidence shows us and you know my own personal experience yeah. has shown me that actually it's worth it's worth doing if you yeah. if you can and and I think you know, I think you, you make a very good point like you, we've got to be very sensitive that like Pandora's box is a one-way thing mm. um and especially what you know a process of kind of self-determination and self-discovery is also mm. a one-way thing mm. once you go deep inside mm. you can't forget about it mm. and what you find there you might not like yeah but I suppose and it's and it's not it's funny it's not about being brave or it's not mm. about having courage it's almost from the reflection of conversations I've had with other people it's mm. how desperate are you mm. to overcome what you are wanting to overcome exactly I, I think and I don't yeah. desperate is maybe the wrong word but no, how yeah. how motivated are you that you really mm. want to get through this and therefore yeah. it's worth doing that it's almost like a, it's a cost benefit yeah. in a way isn't it I completely agree with you and going back to what we were saying earlier on about that motivation piece and behavior change piece I think you've either got to be in the position where you're about to lose something that really matters yeah. to you yeah. or you're in a position where you stand to gain a lot. So I think there's a kind of tipping balance there. Um, and I think know. what you alluded to there, that, that there's actually, there's some very powerful cognitive biases around gain and loss and yeah. and whatever we're predisposed as, mm. but you know we do value certain things in a certain way. And if we are perceiving a, 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 an amplified gain or, or, or a significant loss or deficit, mm. actually your behavior can be steered in quite dramatically in a direction which you never thought was actually possible. Mm. Exactly, yeah, I completely. I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, something I wanted to do, um, talk about as we kind of, you know, as we kind of wind up a bit is um, you've mentioned some of the things that, you know, mindfulness in particular mm. that have helped you. Yeah. As you've, you, you, you went through in a few years ago, a horrendous situation which related to your pro- professional life. And, and, and the reality is, is that there, you know, you know, and, you know, no one wants to say it, but there are going to be situations in the future where all of us are going to stumble yeah. again, and that yeah. toolkit will come come open yes. again. Or yeah. what other things are in there? Because I think you made a really good point, and this is something we, we, we advocate a lot for Psychic. Like, you know, the whole reason that that we set up Psychic was nothing to do with replacing therapy, mm. not at all. Like, yes, it's like like you know, uh, uh, intensive intervention and talking therapies uh, are very, very important. Our point was, okay, well, what happens in between? Mm, yeah. What happens when you go to bed at night, you're on yeah. your own and you close yeah. your door and you turn off your light? Yeah. yeah. Talking to you. Well, no one's talking to you. And actually yeah. those, what support do you have during those times? And you've mentioned like you've you've designed mm. and structured your life in a way that yeah. enables you to kind of to feed your your mind body and soul mm. in a way that promotes yourself to be you know fulfilled yeah. what, what other things do you do yeah really um really good question and happy to kind of share some some thoughts on that just kind of going back to your um point there matt around um with the when i was talking about the the dual continua. So you were talking about whether we open the Pandora's box or not, and I was talking about my personal circumstance. Now, uh, Keyes' study shows that there is a huge part of the population that aren't suffering from um, maybe mental illness challenges, but they're in a state of what we call languishing. So this is a state where we are neither strong in the mental health space or strong in the mental illness space but we're in a space where we're languishing and so the some of the things that I'm gonna I suppose that I'm gonna share and connect with you are relevant for those who are going through trauma 
and those who are languishing because actually all of us should be actively working on our mental health whoever we are so that we resource and build up this kind of I guess resource bank like capacity for when stuff will go wrong which it will do so for example when the pandemic hit and um, the way that that's affected everybody no matter how they were feeling or thinking you know before that moment to where they were then um so I think you know this is stuff for you to kind of consider and think about regardless of where you are in your kind of uh, mental health journey um but so obviously we spoke about uh, mindfulness I'm a big believer in um, structure and crafting what you do. So I guess there's different ways that I structure and craft what I do. So routines in my kind of in my week, routines not at the weekend. I try and avoid routine at the weekends. Yeah, yeah. So forcing um, yourself out of a routine. Yeah, or just kind of mixing that up. But you know, having morning routines. So something that I've been experimenting now for a while is about you know, making sure I'm doing certain things in the morning, which make me feel really kind of strong and resourced when I'm going into my day. So I always start every morning with some mindfulness or some silence or some meditation. Mm. I do affirmations. So I think about the things that I'm like working towards. Um, I do visualization. I think visualization is incredibly powerful and supportive in kind of somatic experience and gearing yourself up. Um, exercise is huge yeah. for me so yeah. making sure i'm regularly exercising in all different ways strength flexibility you know walking all of those it's a massive um lifesaver uh reading getting all the kind of recovery that i need the different types of recovery so you know quality relationships like identifying who are my quality relationships who are the people that give me the emotional energy that i need the different types of energy that i need for different times working out who they are um, and then i guess the things that i think are really important for for us all to know and understand is what our values are so who do i stand for as a human being what is really important to me what really matters to me how do i know that and if that is what really matters to me if these things are really important to me these things are my values and um, so for example a couple of my values are curiousness connectivity so it's really important for me to, to work with other people to be learning through the work that I do um, and I can go on and on if I'm not putting those values to work in my day-to-day -day, in my life you know that is not going to be helping me find for the fulfillment if I have to ignore my values on a day-to-day -day basis if the team I'm part of the organization I'm working for will not kind of integrate those values into the way they're working I'm not going to feel aligned so I'm not going to feel fully aligned and then the other thing that's really important for me is understanding what my character strengths are, my personality strengths are, and making sure, as well as applying and working to my values, I'm applying and working with my strengths and that I'm embedding my strengths in the way that we work. So I'm, I'm sure it won't surprise you, but, you know, some of my strengths are things like social intelligence, like love of learning, love. I, you know, want to kind of support people, help people. Um, developing others is, is one of my strengths so I get so much energy from bringing people and developing in their own journeys um, so all of these things are important to me that they're part of my work and my life so you know it, I've been again very fortunate um, and also crafted my world to kind of run my own my own business to do the work that I do to be so I can choose who I work with how I work with them so that is a massive luxury that I appreciate, but you know, it's taken a lot of um, a lot of sacrifices and challenges to get there. But because I knew what my values were and what my strengths were, being able to kind of help those to 
use those to guide me to make sure I'm getting to where I want to get to. So, you know, that's really important to me. And just always being curious, I think, always being open-minded and kind of encouraging myself to, to be like that. Mm. Um, you know, unconditional positive regard and, and just kind of actually not just, I guess going back to the point you were making there about we have these cognitive biases that, you know, society kind of inflicts and informs on us, you know, making sure I've always got a critical mind about what I'm consuming and what I'm thinking and the, the conversations that I'm having and noticing when I'm, you know, when I'm going off in a kind of extreme black and white way of thinking, um, dramatisation, anything that's kind of going too far one way or the other as a kind of bit of a, a sense check for myself. Um, so I hope those that's kind of helpful. Yeah. And it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's great because I, I, you're talking from both a personal and also I can see mm. you bringing all your professional, you know, and all your qualifications into this as well. And it, it seems that what, you know, under all that, under these calls, like, mm. is a, is, I suppose it's a vision and design of a life and the parameters around that design for a life that, what you know is the life that you want to live and want to achieve so you can talk we can talk about values strengths capabilities mm. mindfulness walking ex mm. exercise mm. but all of those have got to fit together and what you described in terms of some of the things you do I mean you know those exercises I suppose if you did them all at once you know it, you know it'll probably take a day a week <laughs> but the reality is is actually you can slot them into different points when you need yeah. them yeah you can open up the toolkit when you really need it um and slot those little little pieces in whilst mm. you do get on with you know you know which would you describe not as the mundane but the day-to-day -day is going mm. to work paying the bills etc 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 um and then also going through the kind of negativities in that like not all relationships i mean you're married i'm married you know like marriage is and it's not it's, it's not all positive it, it does no. all, I mean, <laughs> it, it is very positive but it's it's also especially during a pandemic it's a challenge yeah. like like there are challenges yeah. and yes. you know people are pushed together yeah. where you know in situations where you haven't necessarily seen so much of each other and you know yeah. some i've got friends who are like this is not what these vows <laughs> i didn't take those vows for this <laughs> um, but you do you know you are and i think during the pandemic like life has been you know, a redesign or reevaluation mm. has been forced onto a lot of people. Um, yeah. Those maybe, well, let's say, working in construction, who where the day-to-day -day job hasn't necessarily changed, it, it, that you know that might not work, and not just singly out construction, but teaching, etc., mm. etc. Et mm. Whereas actually, where everyone's working from home, there is a big opportunity to reevaluate and redesign and create mm. the time, not just to do more work, but to yeah. reflect on your own mental health and yes. maybe take a little peek into Pandora's box. You know, yeah, really, two hands firmly on it. Yeah. <laughs> or just open it all up but just get it out because you know this is one life you know yeah. one life um but yeah I think we we have to make time for these things yeah I think if you do, you know these things have to be made time for I have to make time for them every day they are you know my lifeline they they are yeah. very incredibly helpful and and I know you kind of spoke about construction and, and education there but you know I think you know if I'm if I'm an engineer or I'm you know a jointer or whatever I'm doing I need to also make time for for yeah. this stuff I know that my day-to-day -day is going to be hectic but how do yes. I structure my morning or my evening or my break time and if I'm and I work with a lot of education professionals as well 
and often there's that kind of busyness I haven't got time to do these things and you know we don't have time not to do these things and if you are genuinely working in an environment and you're a skill you know you're working in construction you're working with teaching I'm sure you can go and find a job somewhere else with those skills if you genuinely don't think you can structure your life to to help you balance yourself in what you're doing now but actually I'm really certain that you can you can do that in your own in your own world yeah and and I think some of the exercises that you described you often just need to sit in a chair right you know Mm -hmm. yes there there might be a little bit of a little bit of kind of curiosity and and and, and, and learning about how to do some of the exercises Mm -hmm. but actually if you're commuting commuting is always a good one you can close your eyes and actually you've got 15 minutes 20 Mm -hmm. minutes I know people haven't done a commute in a long time but you can just sit there 15 20 minutes and work through your chat you know uh, put people talk you know doing in the morning gratitude journey for example it doesn't work for some people work for others but I mean I mean gratitude journey isn't rocket science you know Mm -hmm. you ask yourself the question what are you grateful for and it's amazing like for me like you 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 say five things and suddenly you feel better like yeah. I don't know. I don't know the psychology yeah. behind it, but it, yeah, it works. Well, it's, it's really interesting because anyway, I, I mean, I won't go too much into that, but actually doing the gratitude exercises every day doesn't have a huge benefit for you. But mixing them up mm. and doing them fairly, you know, you could do it five in five days and then yeah. mix it up with something else. Because yeah. the thing is, we like we have a head on it. We have an adaptation yeah. to anything that kind of gives us a boost. So just mixing things up. But But going back to your nice, kind of metaphor analogy of the, the toolbox you know knowing that you can dip in and get some of that when you when you need that and yeah. you've got those five minutes is is really great and I think by training yourself to do it doing it five ten fifteen minutes a day one that I've certainly experienced that when when those bad situations do come you're going to be much better prepared yeah totally totally and utterly just think it gives you an anchor yeah so that when the waves crash against absolutely you've got more of a a basis now you're still going to rock from side to side and that's definitely Mm. going to happen Mm. but you've got something just holding you down a little bit Mm. so you feel uh, a bit stronger through that next wave that's going to hit you sideways because if there's one thing that's inevitable (laughs) there will be another bloody wave 100 percent and not just the pandemic either no well i'm i think it's a great place to kind of kind of finish off thank you so much for your your time not only like sharing your 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 personal journey but also your your enormous wealth of experience and how that's related to your own personal experience as well thank you so much for, for for our chat Thank you. And thank you for asking such great questions, Matt. I really appreciate it. I, I, I fundamentally, uh, you're a very interesting person. It's very, it's very easy, to be honest. Um, and also, thank you to so much for to everyone listening. Um, you can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search for Psychic Community or Psychic Stories and we'll pop up. And please, please do give us a rating if you like the show. And do check out our free Psychic app for iPhone and iPad. I'll be talking about a mental health toolkit, but that is not by, that is a little bit of product placement there. We do have yes. a little toolkit tab on our on our, on our app but the point is as, as Cornelia has described finding exercises that work for you and doing those exercises on a regular basis we believe can lead to a more kind of a, a state of a more uh, a positive kind of I say positive mental health mm-hmm. um, and it's you know and, and the app enables you to build that personalized well-being toolkit from a whole selection of exercises stuff you might not like but that's okay because hopefully there'll be enough in there that you will like and that will help you through some of those life challenges and to help you deal with life's ups and downs just go to our website www.sidekick.org.uk and click the download now button in the header to take you to the app Cornelia, thank you so much again. Thank you, Matt.